Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. As usual, your host, Andy Kirikides, with my co-host, Coach Keith Glasser. Keith, how you doing? Great, how are you? I'm doing great. We are once again joined by college baseball nerd and one hell of a human being, Coach Jonathan Grasset. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you guys for having me on. Had some fun last week, the last two weeks, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're now a regular on the show. Yes, you are. <laughs> The first, I the keep first picking, regular, I keep picking winners. You guys might not ever get rid of me. <laughs> uh, so for the listeners this week, we'll give a we'll give a little recap, give some thoughts of, of the super regionals. I guess we could divulge the success of the the three pickers, um, and how we did last week, and then we're going to break down the World Series and see if we can't come up with uh, how we think this thing's going to unfold. So, quick recap. Coach Glasser, I believe you were six for eight last week. Yeah, I was a um, I was a caught fly ball away from potentially being seven and eight, but can't live in the and what ifs. Coach Grasset, I believe you were seven and eight. Is that correct? I was actually eight for eight. Eight for eight. Get out of here! Wow, Kurt. Well, that's why we got you on I, here. I also was a caught fly ball away from potentially being seven and eight. So you, know, you just don't know, <laughs> like right, like. That uh, that fly ball fiasco, which I'm sure we'll touch on, uh, that made me seven and eight on the weekend. So overall, I think a pretty good performance out of the crew here. So um, let's kick it off with some recap stuff. I'd love to hear your guys maybe like two or three thoughts, th- two or three takeaways from the supers that you thought were interesting. Keith, why don't you kick us off? Um, Wake again, just rolling through. Um, I, I shouldn't say rolling through the game one was pretty tight. I, they won six, five, um, but they blow it open in, in game two. Um, and, and it really wasn't close. I, I, you know, they pitched really well. Their, their offense showed up and showed out. Um, it's seemingly, um, you know, there was not a scared swing in that lineup. Um, date two, which was, um, super impressive to watch them do against a, a really good Alabama team. Um, the, you know, the Oral Roberts and Oregon game, that series was amazing. Um, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't catch much of the Tennessee Southern Miss with all the rain delays there. Um, but the, the, the two other ones I'll touch on, I thought it was rather bold um, of Indiana State to throw off in game one. Um, you know, given the fact that you, you know, I think it's something like 70% of, of super regional winners win game one um, to kind of throw your, your, your guy who was really, really good this year off. Um, and I, you know, he threw okay in day, you know, game two, but they, they go two and Q. I thought that was a little bit of a bold move. Um, you know, and then the, the, the Stanford, Texas regional super, I thought was amazing. Um, three really good baseball games. It was a heartbreaker to watch last night. I, I stayed up while I think all of us stayed up watching it cause we were all texting each other. Um, you know, that my lone takeaway on this, I, not my lone takeaway, but this is my hot take. I should say uh, on this super with the way that it ended. And it happens, right? It happens in baseball all the time. You see it. It's twilight. Ball goes up over the lights. Can't find it. it, it we've seen it. The, all of us have seen it a bunch. My hot take is that game should have never been finishing up in that time frame. It's a Monday. You're on the West Coast. That game should either be played in the lights the entire time or it should have started at like three 
or two because there's no other there's really no other games going on like that shouldn't be a fat now i'm not saying that that's i'm not saying texas wins i'm not saying stanford loses like it's just how it ends i just feel if i'm playing a winner take all game for omaha that game should be played in all daylight or all nighttime so that you don't run into that issue where you have lights and and things of that nature that could come into play late in a game where it does matter and it did um, you know, but that's kind of my hot take from that. And, you know, it's not, I'm not bitter about my pick. That's just, I, I felt horrible for those kids. Like that's like after to watch, I think I texted you guys like two pitches before it ended. I was like, this game has been electric. And then that's how it ends. I'm like, wow, what a heartbreaker for these kids. And like, you see them, they're crying on the field. I mean, th- this is what these kids work for all year, you know, and to kind of have it end on somewhere like you just don't even see it off the bat is like, why are we playing at that time? Like, let's play all daylight or let's play all at night. And we probably mitigate that, that outcome. Um, but those would be my three, my three takeaways there. Yeah. I think I would, I would agree with you on the hot take. Yeah. it sucked to watch it happen like that. Uh, I think you, we at least get to extra innings. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a tough one to watch. That was an unbelievable game, but certainly a tough one to watch. Uh Coach Grasse. I mean, that right fielder for Tech. He was an absolute monster. And he's been a monster for six or eight weeks now. Um, He threw that dude out on a hose from right to earlier in the game out of third. Yep. Yeah, he was impressed. That's just such a tough thing. I hope that kid's not putting his head down at night thinking that that was his problem. I think one of the crazy things, too, and a lot of people forget this, but, like, if you go back a week, if we go back one week, Texas A&M actually lost two balls. I don't think they were both on Monday. I think one was on Sunday in, in the in the winner's bracket, uh, or, or I'm sorry, the, the first game of the, you know, the final, the regional final. Um, but Texas A&M lost two balls in the light, you know, last weekend. So it's not that uncommon, right? It's not like this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Like, the, you know, it happens all the time, obviously. Um, you know, and then again, we saw, you know, six, seven days before, eight days before. Um, so it's not totally uncommon. I think the one thing that I take away from that regional, man, is, is this is going to be crazy. But in the last two years, Stanford's 10-0 in elimination games in a regional and a super regional. It's a wild stat. I mean, they lost in a regional. They lost in a, in a winter bracket last year to Texas State. Lost to UConn. They came back all the way to win, obviously. Lost to UConn in game one of the super. Beat them twice. Lose in a winter bracket this year to Texas A&M, and then lose again on you know on Friday night, um, or I'm sorry, Saturday night against Texas on a crazy play too, right? Where where you know, you know they they win that one and they come back again and win win more. So so ten in a row for Stanford the last two years, pretty wild stat. I mean, very rarely do you see something like that. Um, I mean, my couple takeaways, I, I, I would say you know, probably got a few right. Florida's legit. You know, Virginia's legit, obviously losing that first game. Um, but, I mean, how about the Golden Eagles, man, coming out of Oklahoma City? I mean, <laughs> not only – not you know, and, again, I know I was, you know, fan number one probably last weekend. Everyone's going, you know, you know, he don't like the Pac-12, whatever. But to lose the way they did on Friday and then come back and win, that was the most impressive thing in the entire weekend for me. Um, you beat Widener, you beat Denton, basically. I mean, you got a, you got a two run lead in the seventh. You got your two big dogs. We were, we talked about about you know a hundred times with their numbers. Denton's you know um, you know finalist for the, the closure of the year. Like th- this is the way they, they they're going to win, right? Like and then they lose and then they come back 
and and win the next two. I thought that was so 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 impressive. Um, obviously, a feel for Indiana State. I, I still believe, and I said I know I said this last week. Different scenario. Obviously, it's you know stuff out of their hands. But you know, if if the supers in their building is is you know is things different. I will say this. TCU, and I know I've, I know we talked, all three of us talked about this last week with, you know, being very cliche, right? Like, you got, of course, everyone's playing their best right now, but goodness gracious, between TCU and Wake, is there anybody better in the country playing right now? I mean, the way that they're playing, they're, they're just on a rampage, those two. Um, you know, Wake, obviously, like I hit on Stanford, we just hit on LSU. Here's the one thing that I'll say. And, and, and I think that actually goes both – it bodes well for them better in Omaha than it, than it actually did this past weekend, but they did it this past weekend. LSU used five pitchers all weekend. With the rest days in Omaha, they, they can probably get away with almost that. You may have to go to six or seven, but, you know, and I know we, we all kind of hit on, you know, that bullpen, and it, it could be a concern, obviously. Um, but the Gidry kid, I mean, goodness gracious, got two you know, two wins, actually, I think it was. Um, he's pitching his butt off. Obviously, he got the best pitcher in the country in schemes. Um, but you know, with the rest in Omaha, you can kind of get away with that, you know, and 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 maybe get to a final, and and obviously then you just you know push the cards all out on the table. Um, and then Tennessee, I mean, goodness gracious, right? They again, they lose game one. Hats off to Coach Barry at Southern Miss. Had a heck of a career. You know, did things the right way. Did it out of mid major. They had a phenomenal year, but that pitching for Tennessee kind of flashed, I think, what everyone thought they could be um, in the biggest stage of the year. Yeah, they certainly look scary right now. I mean, I don't think Chase Burns is lacking any confidence at this point, just ripping 102-mile-an-hour freaking flame balls coming off the mound with a ton of emotion. Like, they're a scary team right now. The other one that's you know, the other one that's sneaky with them, people forget about him is is the the Seth Halverson kid, the Missouri transfer. He threw four yeah. innings, and I know they lost on Friday, but or I'm sorry, on Saturday. But they um, but he was a Friday guy in Missouri last year. A lot of people forget about him. He threw in relief on on Saturday, four innings. Man, that's pretty legit to have a Friday guy. You know, a year ago, you know, kind of in your bullpen. Yeah, they're definitely peaking at the right time. Like they look like the preseason top five team that they were slated to be. Um, they seem to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too. They're they're playing really good baseball. A couple takeaways for me: the Southern Miss Tennessee series. Like, yeah, it was a great series, and Tennessee certainly earned that going into Southern Miss. I thought the scene after Game Three was was pretty awesome and a, like a little bit heartwarming to see standing ovation for Barry. You got the Tennessee players and staff tipping their cap to that guy. Uh, just a really classy move, you know, from, from Vitello and in the balls and how they handled that. And, you know, I, I think that that's some of the really cool stuff you see in college baseball. And uh, that was really impressive to me. Stanford game against Texas was incredible. Chase Loomis, that kid's changeup is – if you're a high school kid watching, like that's what a plus changeup looks like. He could throw it at any count. He looked like he looked like prime Johan Santana. Like he looked like the, the NCAA version of, 
of Cy Young, you know, Minnesota Twins, Santana, where he could throw that change up any pitch. You could tell you it's coming and you still couldn't hit it. Um, really impressed with him. And then, I mean, Oral Roberts, like, those dudes are tough and they're good. Like, the lineup grinds out at bats. They got some juice. Jonah Cox is electric. Their shortstop's a really good player. Um, made a couple nice plays. Grinds out at bats. He's got a little bit of juice. And that bullpen kind of sets him apart. I mean, Dalton Patton, like, there was a couple times where it looked like it was going to get away from him a little bit. But just tough kid. Uh, pounding the strike zone, challenging guys with that 93-94. Uh, really enjoyed watching him throw. And I think that the back end of that bullpen, Pat and being able to close them out and then being able to get a little bit of a cushion there, I'm curious if that's going to matter come World Series time because they've leaned on those guys a lot at the back end. And for them to not have to throw on Sunday – I think rest at this time of year is important, especially for guys that you've leaned on quite a bit. You look at a kid like Tanner Hall who came back and man, is he fun to watch. And I'm going to be really curious to see what his pro career looks like. Cause it's, it's a legit three pitch mix, nothing straight. The command's awesome. The composure is awesome. But I think that that outing last week probably you know, kind of paid its toll a little bit on him. And you could see him start to lose a little bit of life on some pitches. Wasn't quite as precise with the command as he got into those middle innings. And, you know, the game ultimately got away from him a little bit there. But I think some of that rest stuff's going to be really interesting going into this, like Wake being able to finish up in two, Florida being able to finish up in two. Like you got the two lead dogs going in at full rest, at full capacity. You can line up your rotation, like, everybody's feeling good. You didn't have to tax yourself. So that's one of the things I'm looking at as we go into the world series is kind of how some of this stuff lines up. Yeah. And I think the, I mean, I, I saw a tweet today, like the, the, the wake Stanford, Tennessee, LSU side has to be one of the most loaded Omaha brackets we've seen in a very long time. I mean, that's preseason, like one, five, seven, and eight. But, but oh. on the other hand, right, like you still got Florida, UVA, oh, yeah. and, and TCU might be the hottest team in the country, like I said before. Like, it, it I just can't – I can't remember – and I know we, we said this on our pre-show when we were talking, like, you know, like on, on Sunday and Monday, we're going to have Florida, UVA, LSU, and Tennessee. Two of those four teams are going to be playing an elimination game on Sunday and Monday, respectively. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness gracious, like what? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's incredible. It is. And like these, these games are going to be phenomenal to watch. Like there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So let's get into the World Series here. We'll start off with the, the Wake, Stanford, LSU, Tennessee bracket. So you got Wake and Stanford and then Tennessee facing LSU. Let's start with the Wake-Stanford matchup to start. I mean, my big question is who's Stanford going to run out there? Like, probably can't run out there lefty again. Like, he probably is going to need a little bit of time. I don't know. That kid seems to just give me the ball. And I know there's a lot of controversy around the number of pitches he's thrown, and I'm sure people have their different stances on it. But I'm sure that Coach Esker didn't, uh, didn't throw that kid out there without knowing exactly what that kid is about 
and what that what is important to that kid. Um, I laughed at the quote he said. He said that Coach Esker was going to wrestle the ball out of his hand if he came out to come, come and get him in the night. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's amazing. He, uh, he just seems like that kind of kid too. Like we right. all coach in high academic schools, and he just seems like one of those kind of kids that. You know, he's a Stanford kind of guy. Like, you know, he he's really smart. You know, he's really, you know, you know, cerebral. And um he 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 was a treat to watch, especially in that post-game interview. Oh yeah. I mean, he's writing 25-page papers and doing presentations before the start of a super regional. Like, <laughs> and then he goes out and punches 16 guys. Like it takes a special kid to accomplish that in that setting you know, under the pressures of being a student at Stanford as well. And I mean, one of the things that I'm not sure enough people are talking about is that he easily could have gone in the draft last year. And he said, no, I don't, I'm coming back to school. Um, you know, that kid's a, he's probably a top five rounder last year. And you know, I'm assuming he'll probably be a top five rounder this year, but you know, that kid's back for a reason. And I think, you know, the, the tenacity he showed and you know, I know people have their stances on the arm care stuff, but, I think it's a little bit different. I think it's this is a little bit of a nuanced conversation around, you know, a 21 year old who wants to get to the College World Series. I think it's hard to quantify how important that moment is for somebody that age. And yeah, in a perfect world, you don't throw them that long. But I mean, well, I, hats off to that kid. I agree, but at the same time, and I, I'm not excusing this. I mean, I, I I never had somebody go that high. Um, but at the same time, you got to remember, like, we're what, 17, 18, 19 weeks into this season. Plus, you know, these, their coaches and these kids know what they're doing. Like these kids are built up. That's not to say they're built up to this week in and week out, but, you know, kind of the whole progression is to get to this part of the year and you're, you're in a really good space physically to be able to do something like that. You know, and it's not saying that you're going to do it every time, but, you know, you don't get to, you know, you don't win 10 elimination games and get to Omaha in three straight years and have the success that they've had at, at that place and and not really know what makes your guys tick and know that he is still going okay. Because we all know, like, if the ball's not coming out clean, you're coming out. Like, it, regardless, like, you might have to wrestle it out and that's fine. But if you, like, you, you know you have to go out there and protect the kid from himself. But if it's coming out clean, he's getting outs, then like, let it roll, man. Like, this is what we're built up to do, you know? So I, I, I see both sides of it. I just, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's as big a deal as, you know, say a 16 year old who's being run out there doing that all the time. Like that's a far bigger issue in my personal opinion. Um, you know, but in regards to the, the, the game, I like, I, I, I struggle to see, how Stanford is going to be able to keep that lineup down. Um, I mean, we touched on it. I touched on it last week. You know, I, I think they even ticked up after this week with the the amount of free passes they get. I mean, they have 309 walks this year. Um, you know, they're averaging eight free 90s per game. You know, if you're going to give Wake Forest eight free 90s where they literally have to do nothing to get guys on base, like it, they're, they're going to cash those runs in, you know, and it like – Stanford's offense is pretty good. There's some professional hitters in that lineup, um, you know, but uh, good pitching beats good hitting any day of the week. So, uh, you know, I just don't know if you, if you end up, I don't think you are, you can go slugfest against that pitching staff 
and you're going to have to score a lot of runs if you're going to give up a lot. I mean, there was a point we talked about in the pre-show, like there was, you know, there was a point in time where Texas is, they got into the bullpen and their approach was literally just take. And it was like, they were just dotting the bases up. Like they weren't even swinging, you know, like you give really, really good teams and really good offenses, more base runners than they should have. And they're going to eventually just cash those runs in and you're just going to be playing from behind. And I, I just don't know if you're going to be able to, to really keep pace with that. Yeah, I agree. The Wake, one of the things I thought was really, really, really impressive with the Wake team in that blowout was the quality of the bat they were taking when they were up by 10 runs, 12 runs, 13 runs. Like it didn't, the the focus, the commitment to approach, not giving away at bats. I mean, the Corona kid hit a backside double up by 12 runs and stayed on a breaking ball and those kids just aren't giving away at bats right now. And when you couple that with the sheer talent, the coaching staff, like that was really impressive to me because it's easy. It's easy when you see the finish line, you know, you're up by 15 in the eighth, you know, it's easy to see the finish line and just lose focus of what's going on, but not a single kid in that lineup gave away in a bat. You know, they're, they're getting the ball and play with two strikes the approach is super solid. They're making they're making adjustments pitch to pitch. I mean, they made quick work of one of the better arms in the country. And they just stayed on breaking balls. Like Wilkin hit three home runs and his best at bat was his two-strike double. Staying on a breaking ball. They had got him to swing over swing over the top of earlier in the at bat. And when you got guys that are that locked in in a situation like that, like good luck. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, I think the one thing I, – I, and I, I'm going to digress for a second. But I think what the offense has done, and I, I I know they talk about it, but, like, you watch the games and they talk about how good the pitching staff is and the pitching lab and everyone there. Like, I'm going to say this because he's a friend. But Billy does not get – Billy Solano, the, the, the recruiting coordinator, like, he doesn't get the amount of pub that I think he should – for what they've been able to do as the recruiting coordinator and developing an offense that can beat you in so many different ways. And I think I that saw that's something, something... This, week, this weekend I thought it was phenomenal. And, and I thought it was a really, really, really good point. It was wake is, is really the first team. And there has been a lot of really good teams probably in the last, you know, we'll call it, let's call it eight years, you know, go, dating back to when Virginia last won. And I, I guess in what was that 15? Um, but this is the first team we've seen that looks like an SEC team, that's not the SEC. And there's a lot to be said about that because of the resources, the money, uh, you know, now the NIL stuff, like there, there's something to be said about a team that looks and is beating teams like SEC teams do that isn't in the SEC. And again, that's nothing against the ACC. It's not against the Big 12. It's not against the PAC. It's just the SEC teams, they look different you know, night in and night out. And again, we've had Oregon State, we've had other teams win the, you know, win the Natty. But night in and night out, you know, Wake's doing it like an SEC team does, which, and again, credit to Billy, credit to, you know, to Walt and, and, and that entire staff and, and Corey and, you know, all those guys. But, you know, they built this thing like an SEC team with, you know, they got really good resources, but they probably don't have, you know, what, you know, I would say probably 13 of the 14 SEC teams do. Um, right. so, you know, major credit to them. I, I, I'm with you guys. I, I just can't see it. I, I just can't envision Stanford beating them. You know, I, I know there's going to be some questions and, and I'll probably bring them up too at some point, you know, there's a stadium. 
you know, that they're going to be playing in, does that make a difference? But there's no way, in my opinion, Wake beats, you know, Wake loses to Stanford, you know, on Saturday. Yeah, I agree there. Stanford's a good team, and I could certainly see them winning a couple a couple games in this bracket, especially if they're forced to throw off to give uh, um, to give Montgomery a little bit – not Montgomery. Why am I drawing a blank here, Keith? The lefty there from Stanford. If they have to give him a little bit of rest. We all know who you're have to throw about. off. Yeah, if they have to throw off and they get to throw him in game two, give him a couple extra days rest, then they become a really, really, really tough matchup in the the loser-go-home game um, following game one in that bracket. So so Tennessee and LSU, whoever ultimately comes out of that one, like Stanford's going to be a really tough out. Um, and I could see them coming back around and making a little bit of noise, but I, I think pound for pound, toe for toe, like I think I think Wake's going to walk away from that one and, and move on in the winner's bracket there. So. Tennessee, LSU, like, you know, battle of SEC powers. Like, on paper, going into the year, they were the two highest-ranked SEC teams. I believe Vanderbilt may have been higher than Tennessee at one point, but I think it was, like, pretty pretty much a consensus there that these were the two best SEC teams um, going into the year, and they're going to face off, and one of them is going to, you know, move to the loser's bracket here and have to play for their lives. So what do you what do you got here, guys? I think it's, I mean, when you got to go against Skeens, I think that's, you know, in, in terms of game one, I still have my questions with their bullpen. Obviously, with the rest, I think it helps them, you know, with the days off in between, you know, and the rest days and stuff like that. But in terms of game one, like, you know, and I know Dolander was really good on, you know, on, uh, I guess it was game two on Saturday, right, because of the rain out. Mm-hmm. Or, right, yeah, game two on Saturday, I guess it was. Um was really, really, really good. And, you know, again, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick, but he wasn't schemes esque I'll call it. Um, you know, or, or even what we kind of saw last year with, with, you know, with Dolander when he towed it on Friday, like where it was just a dominant, dominant performance. You know, I think he was eight innings, four earned, you know, schemes and, uh, you know, is striking out guys at obviously a rampant pace. Um, no one's really seemed to be able to, you know, figure out what they're going to be able to do. And, you know, I, the one thing, you know, to play devil's advocate, I guess, a little bit to myself here is, is this will be Tennessee's second time seeing him, um, which I don't believe anybody has seen him twice yet. Um, so does that play a difference in it? It's a good lineup, but they still are, you know, very, very, very inexperienced. They were replacing eight of nine last year, you know, with the best team in the country, you know, for most of the year. Um, and they get the schemes. You know, on Saturday, we'll, I guess we'll see, but I, I, I'm going to lean LSU here. And um, I think, I think LSU gets it done. I, I, and again, I think if you, if you say tight game late, you you probably lean Tennessee, but I think with schemes on the mat, I think LSU gets it done at lineup. I think it's going to be too, you know, too hot and, and too good to kind of keep down. And I think Tigers get, get this one in, in, in game one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't really disagree with anything you said. I do think the interesting thing is that you know this is going to be the first time that someone's going to get skins the second time. Um, you know, and I, I 
I have questions with their bullpen too. And I think it's interesting, like you brought up earlier, you know, with the, with the days off, you're not really playing back to back. They could stretch it and kind of hide that little bit of flaw that I think they do have. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee is going to, they, I, they're far better obviously than, you know, where they were when they played earlier in the season against these guys. Um, but I mean, I, I just don't know if, I mean, Skeens is on, I mean, dude's got a one seven. He's punched out almost 200 guys, um, <laughs> in a hundred innings, you know, I, if he rolls it out there, you know, if for five, six, seven, you know, if he gets out there in the sixth and seventh and you got a lead, like, you know, I, I have to believe he's going to pitch into the eighth and, you know, you're going to have to really score three, four, five runs because um, that offense is, is good. I mean, that really wasn't close against Kentucky. Um, and, and Dolander, I mean, Dolander is really good. I know he's had a down year. I think he's thrown a little bit better in the playoffs than he has, um, you know, previous to this. But, you know, I have to imagine they're going to throw him in game one. I, I don't know if they will, but, I mean, it could also turn into a, a – a little bit of a pitcher's duel, but I, I like I like LSU's offense more than I do Tennessee's in that game. So I, I, I'm I'm going to lean LSU too. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same, exact same wavelength as you, Keith. I think it, this really just comes down. To, I think LSU's offense is a little bit better, right? With you know with Cruz and Tommy White and you know the the collection of guys that they have that have been able to do it all year. I think that that's a difference. The the one thing to pay attention to is Dollander's coming off a pretty good start, and you know the stuff's electric, and he has the ability, just like Skeens, to just absolutely stuff it on you. And to Jonathan's point, if this is a tight game late, I think the I think it tips towards Tennessee. You can bring in Burns, you can bring in uh, Harbison, and and you have the ability to to really throw some high quality guys. Not that you need to sell out to win game one. But if you if it gets to be a three inning game at the back end, then I think it's Tennessee's game. But um, I'm counting on Tennessee being able to get a couple runs up early, and and Skeens being able to settle in and and taking some of the pressure off of that bullpen. So uh, I'm going to go that route as well. So I think we all got Wake LSU for the winners bracket here, and for me it's Wake. Like I just think that better pitching. The offense is better. I mean, I'm on this train. I said it on the first show. Like, Wake's – I think the only thing that scares me about Wake, and it's not even something that scares me, but it's probably the only thing that you can bring up is they haven't played bad all year long. Like, they have been good from start to finish. Like, maybe one little blip here on a midweek game. Like, I think they dropped one to – they dropped one to Coastal, and I think they dropped one to Elon. And, like, obviously Coastal's really good, and Elon had a really good year. But outside of those, I think they redeemed themselves with two complete ass-whoopings of those two teams later on in the year. Otherwise, you're talking dropping a game here and there to ACC competition on the weekend. I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, I think they keep rolling. And I don't know if LSU's got enough arms – to deal with them in that setting and never might be able to come back through it after a loss. So I think Wake Wake takes that one. I'm going to be – I have a funny feeling I'm going to be kind of in the minority here. I'm going to go with – and I was a huge, huge, huge question mark with the Tigers last week, and I know I was. But I'm going to actually go Tigers here. Um, 
I think the rest helps them. I think that's the first thing. Um, they got older guys in the lineup. Not that Wake's young, but they, they, they just – you just look at this lineup, and I just keep getting back to, like, Cruz and Tommy White and, like, guys that have played so, so, so much. And, and, and again, I know Wake – and I believe Wake hasn't lost a series all year. And, and, and again, I think that might almost be going against them, right? Like, at this point in the year, like, you, you almost wish you dropped one. But I don't believe they lost a series all year. Um, and if it was, it was only one, but big stadium, if the wind's blowing in and, and I know they have those electric arms, but I think LSU can, you know, can kind of handle that because, you know, I believe that they've been kind of in this setting all year, right. They, you know, they got 10 series in a row where it's, it's a big game, electric arms, the whole deal. You know, the number one seed hasn't won this thing since 1999 when Miami was an independent. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably overthinking it a little bit too much, or maybe I'm not. I have no idea. But I'm going to go Tigers to get out of this side, and I think Tigers play for the best of three um, for, the, for the whole thing. Coach Glass. I'm going Wake. Um I, I think there's a, a very compelling case for LSU, but this is what you get when you have these teams playing against each other. Um, you know, I, I, I do think there could be, you can get on the, the bandwagon of, you know, they haven't lost, they've won all these series, like they're bound to blah, 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 blah. But on the same hand, like they, they keep winning, you know, they, they've done what really good teams are supposed to do every week which is win series, you know, you get into the regional, you roll through it, you get into the super, you roll through it. Like, you know, they can beat you in a multitude of different ways. They can defend, you know I mean? They're fielding 90, 80 as a team, you know, and I think that like, I know LSU faces really good arms weekend and week out. Like that's just, we know that, Um, you know, but the ACC, like, yes, it's a, you know, it's still really good baseball. Um, you know, I mean, they got a wake as a staff average batting average against of 203. Like, I mean, that's just that's absurd numbers this day and age. And I just don't know, like, LSU can hit, yes. And are they going to pitch that average? No, LSU is going to be able to swing it and, and, and they're going to dot some bases, they're going to probably give up more runs than they're used to doing. Um, but I, I just don't know if they have the arms to hold down an offense that can beat you in a multitude of different ways. Like this, this offense, in my opinion, is built to win in an Omaha type setting or in a super regional or in a regional, because there's so many different ways that they can beat you. They can lose it. They'll hit doubles. They can run, they can, they can do a multitude of different things. They can constantly put pressure on you. That forces you to have to make a lot of different decisions which ultimately is going to lead to them scoring a couple more runs. So, you know, I, I, I have weight coming out of this side. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I think, you know, it, it's a hard decision because it's like both of these teams are absurdly good. Um, you know, I just think ultimately you have a team who's won all year long and I just like, you've learned how to win and you're just going to like, the goal is that you continue to do this in Omaha all the way to the end. So here, here's my one question with this. And I think this is, this will be, Best case scenario for everybody, right? So if Wake gets out of the winner's bracket and beats LSU on what would be what Monday? The and and let's say LSU can get past the winner of you know Tennessee and, and Stanford. 
we would have skeins on five days rest. You know, obviously they would have to win twice in a day, but you would have skeins on five days rest against that wake offense. I mean, if if you're selling tickets, there's nothing better than that, right? Like, no. And then, and then, and then winner advance to a winner take all, like, and you would probably, Ty Floyd would be probably on short rest. So I don't, you know, maybe you go get your, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of things have to happen, but just to throw that out there, how cool would that be on, you know, that would be what on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I guess it would be. Yeah. So you'd have a, uh, you know, I guess whatever you want to call that side final. Um, and it would be schemes with a, with a loss in LSU to beat Wake twice. Oof. Yeah, that would be a good one. I think, I think Matthews, if Stanford does this, if they throw off and Matthews comes back for game two, I think Stanford comes back to play Wake. That's my like hot take here in this, like my bold projection here in this bracket is that I think Stanford loses to Wake. If Matthews throws game two, I think Stanford gets through and goes and plays Wake, and then Wake moves on. I mean, you you got to be concerned with you got to be concerned with with LSU with, with who they're going to start game three. You know, I mean, uh, and, and obviously a lot will be determined if they were to win, and, and you get that you know that in that winners bracket game, like does Wake blow them out? You know, is it tight late and you lose late? Like, how does it kind of happen? I think that will be a huge, huge, huge part of this. And again, with the rest, you're going to have a little bit of flexibility, but I I think you're right. Like I think Stanford and I mean, even Tennessee, right? Like, you know, you could be, you could roll Halverson, you could roll Burns maybe in a starting role in that third game, depending on how kind of things shake out. Like both of those teams are super, super, super dangerous. And, you know, I think this side, especially nothing against the other side, because I because I love you know Oral Roberts, but I just think all four teams could win this side easily, and I wouldn't be shocked. I think one of the interesting things on this side is going to be what does Wake do with their pitching, right? Because you've got you know Louder and Hartle through on schedule, but your number three guy didn't throw it all this weekend and you don't want him going two weeks without throwing. I'm sure Corey's got a plan and they're going to make sure that he's 100% ready to go, but it'll be interesting to see how they do that with, with their starters. Like, you know, do you bump Hartle back and plan on throwing him game three to sneak in another start with your number three guy? Or do you just stay on schedule and, you know, put some sort of simulation to make sure that guy has that competitive environment to throw in and he's not going to have to shake off any kind of rust. Cause at this point in the season, taking a couple, you can't throw off. I mean, if you, it, you're talking about Ty Floyd and, and right. We're going to say Dolan or goes against, you know, LSU on, on Saturday, that's Andrew Lindsay who's thrown basically Friday for the last like, month for Tennessee. Like you can't, you can't, you can't not throw your guy. You got to go with that to get to that winner's bracket. Cause that winner, to get get in that winner's bracket, that's huge to not have to get beat twice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm thinking more about Wake and what do you do with the fact that your number three guy didn't – you know, he's going to no, go. No, no, I'm with you. I'm just saying I don't think you can push back your – you know, you can push up your three and, and not go with your guy in the two spot when you could potentially be facing Ty Floyd or, 
you know, yeah. Andrew Lindsay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Like, I just think you can't mess around. And you got to, you just got to go with your guys, and we'll figure out game three when we got to figure out game three. Yeah, no, that's and a good. Then, point. Like you said, though, I think that is a good point, though. Like, and, and Corey's gonna have obviously have to have a big plan with that. Is is like because you got an extra day of rest because it'll, you know, you're gonna have to win that extra. The other teams want to win that extra game if you do win the first two. Like, like you said, you're gonna be close to two weeks off with that guy. That's a long time to not pitch. Yeah, I'm sure they've mapped out every possible scenario. And I'm, I'm wondering if they have a plan, like if they face LSU, maybe there are some numbers that they have that say, hey, a righty is going to do better against that lineup with their pitch mix. So maybe you do push Hartle back to start, you know, or if they face Tennessee, you know, maybe that lineup, maybe there's some numbers that show them, hey, this guy's going to have a better, you know, a better chance at being good in this situation. So I'm sure they have a plan. It's just that's one of those things you don't really plan for, but it is a factor. You know, I mean, to your point, like you're a pitching guy your whole career, you pitch in college, like two weeks off is never a good thing. You you always got to make sure that there's some juices flowing at some point. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. All right. So we got a little bit of a split decision there. We got two Deacons and one Bayou Bengal. Let's move to the other bracket. We got Virginia TCU, Florida Oral Roberts. I've been on the Florida train, but I'll leave this to the end. But I've been on the Florida train. But I'm going to switch gears for this one, and I may or may not have a valid reason, and I may have also socialized some of my thoughts with one of our good friends, and he brought up a point that I just can't get out of my head because I think it's really valid. But I'll, I'll leave that till a little bit later. What do you got here, Coach Grass? Hey, Virginia TCU, I, this is a this is a good matchup. No, Virginia, Florida, right? Or am I wrong on that? Virginia, Florida, TCU, Oral Roberts. I stand corrected. I apologize. Sorry. Well, maybe if someone wasn't swimming in your head, we'd be uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna probably give you everything I got here, but I just, I just think Florida is so good right now. I think that lineup is rolling. Um, you know, and, and and nothing against South Carolina. I think South Carolina had a phenomenal year. I think, you know, Coach Kingston and, and his crew did a phenomenal job with that roster. Ton of transfers, ton of guys that were, you know, portal guys, um, guys that didn't have success in other places, even in the, within their own conference. Um, but, you know, it, and, and Florida won 5-4 on Friday afternoon or Friday evening, but um, you just never felt like it was really ever that close. Um, and, and I'm going to go Florida here and, and, and UVA did a phenomenal job. I mean, obviously Geloff hit that ball. I mean, I was watching it live. I thought it was out for sure. I know the three of us were texting and we're like, Oh my gosh, I thought that was out by a mile. And, you know, and, and the dude from Duke, you know, catch that the ball. Um, and, and Virginia, it was like, you know, you like poked a hornet's nest. I mean, what, what they did the next two days on Saturday and Sunday, I mean, they stopped Duke two times in a row. I want to say it was by 10 runs on both of them. Um, but both games were not really close at the end. Um, they've done a phenomenal job. They pitched it well. They have a lot of depth. And there's just something about this Florida team that just seems super, super, super complete to me. Um, I don't know what they'll do against UVA, but, um, you know, and, and, and I laugh because I, I was on this. I, I was saying this earlier. I love Skeens and, and Skeens is a dude. But I mean, Hurston, Waltrap for Florida, my goodness, right? I mean, 
I, you know, I don't know who, who pitcher two is in, in, in the college game right now, but I would have a hard time, you know, arguing against that dude because he goes out there and it's just like wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, he looks out, he made South Carolina look silly on Saturday. Um, so I don't know if they'll go with him against UVA, but I'm, I'm not worried about it. If I'm Florida, I, I think, you know, the, 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 um, their Friday guy, the guy who threw on Friday, is, is is a really good option. Obviously, you have Brandon Neely in the back end, um, who is a handful. And and again, with with the rest, again, we, you know, we kind of keep hitting on this. You can make these games really short. And if if you got nine outs to go and you got a tight game, well, I don't care who it is, but if you got Brandon Neely in the back end, I'll lean you, you know, every time. So I'm gonna go Florida here. Um, nothing against UVA. I just think Florida's freaking really, really, really good. Coach Glass. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the harder games to pick, um, at least for me. I, you know, I, I thought what both teams did this past weekend was was super impressive. I mean, like I, I agree, Jonathan. Like I watched some of the Florida that that like it, even though it was five four, like that that series never really seemed like it was ever going to go in South Carolina's way. Um, you know, Virginia, I feel like he hit that ball and I, I texted my buddy who, who's a, a Duke, he played a Duke. And I was like, you thought that ball was out. Like, don't you lie to me. And he was like, my stomach dropped. Like, he, but they came back and they just absolutely steamrolled Duke, you know, the, the next two games. Um, you know, I, I'm going to lean Virginia here. Um, and, and really it's the, the, my, my lone, my, my two things that I, I the, the, the two reasons I am, you know, I, I think Virginia is a little bit more like Florida has electric arms. Um, you know, I, I think Virginia is a little bit more complete for, for Omaha from a, a pitching standpoint. You know, I, I think they field it a, a tick better. Um, you know, I, I think that these are two super evenly matched teams where I, I I could see this game being like five, four, either way, where it's, it's a really good baseball game being played between two really good teams. Um, you know, but coach O'Connor and, and his staff, like they've been there, you know, they've won it. They've been there multiple times. You have, you know, coach O'Sullivan and his staff at Florida. Like, I mean, they, they know how to compete in these big games. So I, I think it's going to be a super close game, but I, I'm going to lead Virginia here just in, in game one. So I'm going to take the off route on this one a little bit. I think Florida wins this matchup, right? Because they throw Waldrop. I just think he's going to be able to do enough. But I actually think Virginia is going to come out of this bracket. And the reason I say that is they seem they have the look and feel of that national championship team, specifically from an offensive standpoint. I think they got the power in the middle, but it's kind of that traditional Virginia team, in my opinion, where they really, really defend, but they do all the little stuff incredibly well. Like when your three-hole guy and your four-hole guy and Kyle Teal is willing to just get all kinds of jammed up to get a ball in play, to move a runner and score a runner, and then he runs – his best 90 feet down the first baseline, like that screams Virginia to me. Like they take the team at bats incredibly well. And then they also got some firepower. I think defensively, 
there's a little bit of a tip up there. I can see Florida winning this one just because I think Waldrop's that good. But I think Virginia has the type of team that can bounce back and can ultimately come out of this bracket. So that's my bold pick here is there's something about that offense that I think they, they can be really explosive, but they're explosive because they do all the small things incredibly well. And then they got some guys in the lineup that are super dangerous. So um, maybe a little bit of an odd pick with the Florida win there, but ultimately I think Virginia comes out of this one. And I think we're going to see a, for the first time, in college baseball history, we're going to see an all-ACC final between the only two teams in ACC history to ever lift a trophy. Hmm. Interesting. Very good stat there, and I like that too. I, I said we we had our pre uh, you know group text going with some you know some bold predictions and stuff like that. And I sent a funny gif, and I I stand by that the whole way, like. I like that. Shaking that head, guys like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a really good game. And I think it comes down to those two at the back end of this, regardless of who wins that game. As hot as TCU is right now, I think those are the two teams who are gonna play to move on and, and get to the final. But let's move on to yeah. TCU or Roberts. Is this where the the Oral Roberts dream comes to end, or do we think we got they got a little bit more fight in them? Yeah, I think I think this is kind of, in my opinion, I think this is kind of where it goes to end. I again, I was so high in the Golden Eagles a week ago, you know, five days ago, or six days ago, whenever we did this. Um, you know, obviously, if you get into a situation late, I would still, you know, history tells you that you're not going to beat Widener and Denton, you know, Denton in the back end, so. You know, Laura Roberts can figure out a way to keep this close. You know, I lean, obviously, I guess, Oral Roberts. You know, and I know I said this last week with TCU, there's just nothing glaring on the statue when you look at it that's like, oh, my gosh, like, that's what they're super good at. I mean, they run they run a ton. They run more than, you know, probably anyone in this event um, or, you know, at this point in the year. Once Kentucky got eliminated, them, them and Kentucky were probably the two that, you know, played the most small ball and, you know, ran a bunch. But, um they're just so hot right now. I mean, again, I you know, if we if, – if Indiana State didn't have the predicament they were in, or are we talking something different right now? I don't know. Um, what I can tell you is that that atmosphere in Fort Worth was electric. Um, it was loud. Um, you know, the fans were all over you. I've been in that stadium. It feels like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the last seat in the house is basically sitting in shortstop. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if that played a part, but I think it probably did a little bit. I'm going to say they they beat Oral Roberts, but I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. I think we're looking at a Virginia, um, you know, Florida final here one way or the other. Someone's going to beat somebody twice. Coach Glass, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I I, I love the Golden Eagles. I do. Um they grind it out, um, which I love. And, and TCU is is playing phenomenal baseball right now. Like they are watching them in that Fayetteville Regional, just put it to Arkansas and come out of there. And then last week against um, Indiana State, like they they rolled them. I mean, I, I don't know 
it was standing room only. I think they there it, there was just a sea of purple everywhere watching that that series. Um, you know, I I my heart wants me to pick Oral Roberts. I just don't know if they're gonna get out of this. Um, I'm gonna. I screw it. I'm going with Oral Roberts here. I don't think they're gonna, they're not gonna get out of this. I do think it's gonna end up being Florida, Virginia, and the and the tail end of this. But um, you know, I, I think what they were able to do going into Oregon and Oregon was electric. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't know if we talked on the pre-show or not, but I mean, there, I was surprised with how many people and how loud it was up in Eugene, which is a testament to them. Like I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, and they silenced them. I, I mean, they walked off on them and then they put it to them in game three. Um, you know, so I, I thought that, you know, I, I think they can grind it out a little bit on, on a neutral, you know, they've gone into a bunch of places. They can go into a neutral field and, you know, I, it's not going to be Fort Worth. You know, TCU does travel well, but, you know, Oral Roberts is a little bit closer to home. So I think they might travel, travel well too. Um, I'm going to take Oral Roberts here. I'm going against the grain here. I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking with my gut here. We're going to Oral Roberts in the TCU game, and then it's going to be Virginia Oral Roberts. And I think we're going to end up Virginia, Florida um, in the win- the winner's bracket final to move on to the three. Yeah, I, 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 I think you made a good point, man. And I know we talked about it on the pre-show, like, hats off, man, to, to that crowd in Eugene. I mean, I, I was telling you, know, you guys earlier, like, you know, I went on and was doing a bunch of, you know, research last week on, um, you know, Wednesday morning. And the first thing that pops up is, is that, hey, Super Regional's completely sold out. And I'm like, man, like, you know, and I know we talked about this with, you know, with the atmospheres and stuff like that. Um, but holy moly, they, they, they were even better than I expected, you know, especially last night. Um, or I'm sorry, Sunday night. Atmosphere was phenomenal. And Eugene, phenomenal in Palo Alto. Um, you know, obviously the, you know, the Southeast, you know, TCU and, and the other crew, those atmospheres were going to be electric no matter what, because they're electric in the middle of April. But, yep. you know, for, for Eugene and, and for the Palo Alto, you know, super, I think, it, again, it goes to show how healthy and, and how good this sport is right now. Um, and for us to get, you know, these eight teams in, in Omaha and, and for everyone on, you know, on Twitter this morning, basically to be, you know, obviously talking about college baseball, but to be saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe the the eight we got. Um, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's phenomenal for the sport. It's phenomenal for us to get on here and talk about it that, you know, there's probably, there's easily eight teams that can win this whole thing, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and obviously there's favorites and obviously teams are playing well, but ultimately it doesn't matter because, you know, some teams are going to have six, seven, eight days off you know, before they play again. And, you know, and now you're in a neutral site, you're in a, you know, a ballpark that's very, very, very different than really, you know, almost anywhere in the country. Um, you know, UVA is probably the most similar, I would say, in terms of how big it is, but, you know, Rosenblatt's still bigger or TD Ameritrade, I'm sorry, is still bigger. Um, mm-hmm. The wind plays funny there. It can play way bigger than it even is. And it's already big. Um, but I think it just goes to show how healthy and how awesome the sport is right now. And I think, you know, we're going into a, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, but I think we're going into a stretch of the next, you know, basically two and a half weeks or so that is going to be maybe the best two and a half weeks of college baseball that we've seen and maybe ever. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. I got to go TCU here. Um, 
I think the way they play, I think, is built for this stadium. And they might be a handful in this bracket because of the way they run. Uh, Jonathan, I know you're a big fan of that. But I think that that kind of game plays here. And I think it's a reason that you've seen some of these West Coast teams be able to take the title down in the past is because it's a little bit more their style, the bigger bigger stadium, a little bit of small ball. You can run. You can really defend. You throw a bunch of strikes. You don't get beat. You know, you kind of don't beat yourself. And, you know, they're not perfectly that, but they're definitely the the most willing to run and try to make stuff happen from an offensive perspective when you take a look at the numbers. So I think they move on. I think they'll give the loser of the Virginia-Florida game a handful, but ultimately I think that uh, – or they'll move on in the winner of the Florida-Virginia game. I think there'll be a handful there, but eventually I think they lose to – to Virginia and Florida, and we get that that Virginia Florida, um, you know, winner goes to the finals. Look, so I think we'll Oral Roberts is going to travel well. It's a straight shot. If you look at it on the map, just drive straight north. <laughs> You're going to ride right into right into TD Ameritrade, and let's go. Golden I hope Eagles. they I hope they bring the absolute thunder. Oh. Um, I'm excited to watch them. Like I would not be mad. To, to get to watch, you know, Denton and Waldrop throw or uh, Denton and the lefty throw at the back end again. Why, man? Uh, I'd love to see those guys just let it rip. They're, they're certainly fun to watch. Um, but I would love like a, like a tight game in the seven, kind of let them redeem themselves, you know, just because they, ha- they haven't, they didn't throw back to back, you know, or they didn't throw, I'm sorry, they, they threw back to back on, on Friday night in the loss and they didn't throw on Saturday and Sunday. Um, neither of them threw on Sunday, which I thought was pretty interesting, but. Um, to kind of give that, you know, a little redemption, one run lead in the seventh, and they go, you know, nine up, nine down, or face ten guys and get nine outs. It's gonna be pretty cool too. Because I, I still, I'm, I, I'm still, I'm still loving the Golden Eagles, no matter what. Oh, they're fun. They're a fun group. They play so damn hard, and I think the, I think people take away from like that's a really talented group. Like this isn't just some fluky thing where they're on this hot streak, like they got pros all over that field. And that was kind of my point. I know me and you, Andy, had talked about this. We were texting about this on Sunday night, but you know, you know, when, when Stony Brook made that run and, and, you know, in 12, everyone was so shocked at the time. But when you look back, like, in, like let's say you look back in like 2016 or 2017 and you're like, Jankowski, you know, big leaguer. They had two arms that ended up making the big leagues, two or at least two, if not three arms that made the big leagues. They had a catcher that made the big leagues. Like when you look at it like five years later or six years later, you're like, well, I guess we really shouldn't have been that shocked. Like they had big leaguers and, and, and pro guys all over the field. And I think sitting here in 2023 with everyone with Oral Roberts, I think in 2026 or 2027, we're going to go, we shouldn't have been that shocked. Like they, they have, they have big leaguers everywhere. You know, the shortstop I love. Obviously, the two bullpen guys, like, you know, I mean, the guy the other night that closed it out, I mean, that dude's 165 pounds. He's only a sophomore. So, I mean, he's 165 pounds soaking wet probably, right? Like, he's 93, 95 with that breaking ball. Um, They just got a lot of guys that you're like, yeah, like, I'm not – I wouldn't be shocked in five years or, you know, four or five years if we said we shouldn't have been surprised at all Roberts made it to Omaha because they got all these big leaguers. It wouldn't right. it wouldn't surprise me at all if they had two or three big and we're not talking draft picks like we're talking guys who yeah. make it to the big leagues like Jonah Cox is a 
he's one of the best athletes in this whole tournament. And he certainly screams to me, the kid who's just figuring out how to play. Like he's an athlete who's become a really good baseball player. And those two, the two at the back end, like you could see those guys in the big leagues in a couple of years. Uh, I don't think that's a stretch. And um, yeah, that's, that's the one thing that I think I hope that people take out of this is that, yeah, they're a four seed and yeah, there's like a little bit of the Cinderella story stuff, but do not be mistaken. Like this is an ultra talented team. This isn't some, you know, smoke and mirrors type of stuff. Like, they rolled in and won a regional as a four seed, and then they go into Oregon, and they had a hiccup in game one. But I mean, they own that series for the most part. Like they lost a couple innings; otherwise, they were clearly the better team in that series. Um, and and don't, don't, let's not get away from it, Danny. Too right? Like not only did they win a regional, they dominated a regional. Like yeah, dominated a regional. You're right. You're absolutely. You know I mean, like and like, let's not forget, like. If we were talking on May the 10th, like we would be talking about Dallas Baptist was a host site. You know, they were going to be a top 16 seed. They end up kind of skittering a little bit down the stretch. They end up being a two seed in that regional. And I mean, they had no issue, no issue with Oklahoma State, no issue with Dallas. Like they had no issues at all on that one. They played bad for basically two innings of baseball in the last what? They have played six games. They played two bad innings of baseball in the last six games. Like, in, in the playoffs, like this is not a fluke here. No, I I think I they swept the they swept the series. Well, we'll call it a series, but they played Oklahoma State three times. They beat them three times. Yeah, they beat them twice during the regular season, and they throttled them at home or in the regional. Like you don't luck into three wins like that against a top twenty-five team. You know that that's not luck. That's because you're really good. How cool is their head coach? Tell me you wouldn't. Love to play for that dude. Pennsylvania guy, baby. <laughs> he, that dude, like, he's the kind of guy that those those kids will run through a brick wall for him, right? Like, there's just – he's got something about him that he exudes confidence, but it's calm, it's measured, like he's in the moment. And I think that the kids kind of have that personality. And uh, I mean, yeah. Pat went about his day. business. After they won a regional, and he was he was from it was on it was on ESPN like college college on um, Sirius XM and man he was just he he couldn't have t- taken less credit. All he kept talking about was his assistants, his players. Never used the word I. And I'm like, man, like you know, we between the three of us, we probably did this you know close to forty years. Like you work for a guy that's like that. It's not a shock that they play the way they, they do because of somebody that acts like that, you know, that's yep. that, you know, selfless. That is, you know, he, again, he couldn't give more credit to his assistants. It takes the, you know, he kept saying it takes an army. Um, just awesome, man. And those guys would run through a wall. Like you said, Andy, they would run through a wall for this guy. Yeah. I think you've got some other head coaches that have that same kind of effect on teams, right? Like, I mean, I'm not – I'm going to miss some people here, but there's two that really stick out to me is, is Coach O'Connor. I mean, his press conference with his players, um, you know, it was on Memorial Day, I believe. And, you know, he shouts out to the troops. He's got kids on the team that are connected to the military. For him to take the time – you know, it was post-Army. That's what it was. It was a post-Army game. But for him to open up a press conference – and not even talk about baseball, but recognize the commitment 
that those players in the other dugout are making to the country that we live in, the amount of awareness, the amount of appreciation that you have for the people, that's not fake. That's that's a pillar of what they do. It's why they're so damn good every year. Um, and then, you know, we know Coach Walter a little bit. I know, Keith, you know him better than I do, but there's not really a more likable dude. Um, and he's calm and he's confident and he's polished. And I think that that Wake's team's got some cool personalities. And, like, you saw it in the celebration. And I think you're seeing some of these teams, they take the personality of these guys and these coaching staffs that are leading them. And I think that's a having done it myself and you guys obviously done it for a long time too. That's one of the cooler things to see is watch a team develop their own personalities. And I think that each one of these teams has got a unique personality. And I think that's, you know, if you're really trying to read between the lines and you're really trying to get into the the minutiae of all of this, that's a cool thing to pay attention to when you're watching the world series is they're all great teams, but they're all different. Right. They got different personalities. They got different styles. They got different coaching staffs. And, um, you know, as a baseball fan, I, I love watching how the players operate and the teams operate because that's I what think you another one, with. too. And I, I think another one that and, and I think sometimes it gets a bad rap. But, you know, you watch, you know, Coach Vitello and you watch Tony celebrate with them last night. Like, tell me, those guys wouldn't run through a wall for that guy. Like, oh yeah, and, and, and I know that you know Tennessee has been the bad boy, and you know they're 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 kind of you know last year especially they were the bad boy of college baseball with some of the other antics that happened, but it is what it is. But you watch him go head first, you know he went or you guys went feet first, but he slid on the turf and and he went you know sliding across and they went wild. See those dudes wouldn't run through a wall for that guy, like yeah, say what you want you know about him, but man, he's done a hell of a job at. A Tennessee who is at the bottom of the barrel in the SEC for a long, long, long time. So give give credit where credit's due. And, you know, TV's done a phenomenal job there too. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Walt, you, you also left out the fact and that it's, it's not a, 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 a for, for lack of caring, but he also donated his kidney to a, a former yeah. player of his when he was, when he was there. So, um, I don't detail like I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if there's another coach in the country that can say that, but the, you know that's you know speaks to you know the the character of uh, of him. I mean, he's a he's an awesome dude. You know, I I texted him after the regional and the super, and like you know he gets back to you. You know he does he doesn't big league you. I love it. I, I texted you guys like you you watch like the the camera pans to him in the dugout. Like there's no smart watch. There's no he's just like chilling in the dugout rubber band on talking to players, coaching them up a little bit. Hey, here you go. And then, you know, I, I think the one thing that, you know, you, you, you kind of garner from this when you, you coach as long as we all have, like, you, you know, the amount of time, effort and energy that these guys, you know, at wake you have Billy and, and Corey and Walt, like, you know, those guys are unbelievable coaches and the guys at Tennessee and, you know, all these you like you watch some of them, like you watch Walt and you watch Tony and you know, you watch Brian O'Connor, like they just get out of the way during the games, which which I think is something that's super hard to do as a coach. But like you know how much time and energy they're putting forth in practice. Like those kids are prepared. So like you get into the game and it's just like, all right, guys, go play the game. Like you watch them, like very rarely are they 
are are they super up and down? Like, are they going to get fired up to protect their guys? Absolutely, they will. But like, they they pan to the camera like half the time, like they're just like standing there doing whatever, talking to players, and, and like you see, like it keeps those kids level. And then you see what it, like the the product that gets put out there, where they're just like they're really really good, you know. And I think that that's. You know, that's something from a coaching standpoint that I think not a lot of people really understand and appreciate unless you have really done this before, that the the level of preparation and the level of of care and effort that goes in behind the scenes so that you can legitimately sit in a dugout in a super regional when the entire world is watching and like look like you don't have care in the world because you know that you've taken care of it and your kids can go do it is, you know, to me, super impressive, you know, so I, I you know, it's it's impressive to watch those guys do that type of stuff. And they're, you know, they're top-notch dudes at the beginning, you know, at the end of the day, too. So it's it's nice to see. I think, I think coaches can learn a lot just from watching them do what they do. Like, you know, we go and watch these high school games and stuff. And, and one of the things that sticks out to me is that there's, like, constant stuff coming from the dugout from coaches. Stay back. Stay in your back leg. Let it travel. Like, I can promise you that those guys aren't doing that because they know, to your point, Keith, they've put in the work. Like, you don't need to tell Brock Wilkin to let the ball travel, right? Like, maybe there's a cue if something's off, but you're not coaching that kid in the at-bat. All your coaching happens well before that at-bat is ever taken, and you trust your players to go do their thing, right? You You don't want to get in the way of them being able to perform and these guys, these, these eight head coaches, and there's a lot more of them in the college game. Like if you watch them go about their business, they're managing the game. They're not coaching individual players in those specific moments. And I think that's a big takeaway when you watch this is just how calm and cool and collected they are. And it's because they're prepared, but they know that their players are prepared. Yeah. All right. We digress back to the picks. All right, you, got, you had to get me back on track. All right. So, Jonathan, you got Florida going out of that bracket, correct? Yeah, I got. I have Florida LSU in my final. Florida LSU. So you went all SEC. I got all ACC. Keith, what do you got? Um, I'm going to take Virginia, too. Um, I, I just think Virginia's – Bullpen is going to be a little bit better um, than Florida's. Like, I know Florida's guys have some electric stuff, but, I mean, UVA has five guys that have 20 appearances each and only one start amongst those five guys, and they're all sub-4 ERAs, Um, you know, with at least 25, you know, at least 20, excuse me, innings pitched. So, I mean, they got a a substantial amount of guys who have pitched out of the pen and and had a ton of success this year, Um, you know, and I I think that that's – you know, they're going to be able to pitch. They're going to be able to defend. Um, you know, I, I just I, I think it's going to be super tight. But I, I have I have a UVA wake in the finals this year. All right. I want to add one thing before we get into the finals. I got a breakout star pick. Right. He's a freshman at Virginia. He's a bullpen arm. His name's Kevin Jackson. And. A lot of people might not know his story, but he ended up getting Tommy John. 18 or 20 months ago, maybe I'm, I might be missing up the timeline a little bit, but they've really been easing this kid back into it. And his stuff's electric and he's getting to the point where he's really starting to get his feet wet. 
You know, they were handing him an inning here and there at the beginning of the year. And I think that UVA is going to be able to use that bullpen. And I think he has the kind of arm, like he might be the guy who kind of jumps onto the scene here as like the next front end guy for UVA. He's going to do it out of the bullpen for him, but he's big, strong, physical kid. He's going to have to throw some innings here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what a young kid like that's going to do on a big stage. And they got a couple of them there, the Blanco kid as well. Um, you're going to have some young dudes who are going to throw big innings. And, you know, this is, these are, you know, where, where names are made and guys make big jumps thrown in these big spots. But uh, I was looking at that. I think Jaxel's an interesting case here and I'm, I'm excited to watch him throw. So Jonathan, let's start with you. You got LSU in Florida. Who's taking it home and what's it going to look like? I'm going to go Gators. I, I and I know I, I predicted this a bunch, you know, last weekend with, you know, games going three games. I, I think this is a three game set. Again, if we go three game set, I'll, I'll lean, you know, obviously with the Brandon Neely guy in the back end for Florida. I, I've already expressed my concern two weeks in a row about, you know, LSU's, um, you know, bullpen, but I, I just, I've, I've watched Florida a lot this year and I just, it just seems like that this is a championship type team. Um, they just got a lot of ways to beat you. You know, Cags will go game three. You know, maybe he runs one out. You know, obviously he's a freak offensively as well. Um, I just think they have enough pieces, you know, top to bottom. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to slow them down. And, and again, I know we've talked about the ballpark and, you know, the wind and, you know, it's bigger and et cetera, et cetera. But, I think they have a lot of ways to beat you. Um, and again, I've watched them a lot and it just seems like there's just not a lot of holes. And if you're going to have to beat them two times in three games, I, I don't know. If there's a lot of teams in the country that can do that. Um, and again, you're going to get, you'll probably get schemes back depending on what would happen with, you know, if they get, get they get in the winner's bracket. Obviously, that presents a handful in game one. If you do have him game one, you would have him game two no matter what, again, because of the rest stuff. Um, so you're looking at three games no matter what. But, you know, Waldrip, I, I really, really like Waldrip. Again, I think he's like pitcher two in, in this college class. Like, I'm going to go Gators. Um, and I think Sully and, and Co you know, hoist the, 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 you know, the, 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 uh, the trophy again. Tough to argue with that. Coach Glass, where are you going? I'm going to wake. Um, I, 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 that was my pick the first time we did this. Um, I think my original pick was, was Florida wake. Um, but I, I, I wavered here on Florida. Um, I, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of compelling arguments you can make for all eight of these teams. Um, I, I just thought, you know, after they, they poked the bear a little bit, the Dukies poked them over the course of the weekend, and, and the Virginia responded the way they did. I, I was super impressed with, with how they, you know, they played that entire weekend, and, and they pitched it, and they, they scored a, a ton of runs, um, you know, and held down a Duke team that was actually playing really, really well coming into that. So, you know, I, I just think that it's going to end up Wake UVA. I, I have Wake in the, you know, winning it. You know, I, I'm i sticking with the fact that they've, they haven't they have lost the series all year. I don't think they're due to lose any more series. Um, you know, I, I think that they're they're a super special team that 
has learned to win, whether it's going to be tight or it's going to be a blowout, you know, and I, I think that, you know, they're going to be able to do this against, you know, they've done it all year against some of the best teams. They're going to continue to do it, you know, over the next two weeks. Um, you know, I'm excited to see it. You know, I, I do think it's going to go three games, um, the, the championship series, but I think ultimately Wake's going to pull it out and you're going to have the, uh, the Demon Deacons as the 2023 national champions. I'm on that train as well. I'm going chalk. I think we got the first number one to hoist the hoist the trophy since what Jonathan 1999. The 99 Miami, Miami was, a, was an independent. Yeah, they were the one seed though in 99. So you guys are both going that way. I'm gonna go Wake. I think Virginia gets. I think Virginia gets one. Um, I think they get game two. And I think Wake takes it down in a third. So we're gonna run the table on games here. Um, I think Wake takes this down. I think the trophy goes to Winston-Salem. Um, they've been the best team all year. There's no reason to think that they won't continue to be with the depth that they have offensively, the depth they have in that staff, how well they're coached, how well they're prepared. Um, it's just too hard for me to bet against them at this point. So I'm going I'm going Demon Deacons. Maybe Chris Paul and Tim Duncan and company will show up and, uh, and check it out. We'll see what happens. I saw that Tommy Hawk – um, told Chris Paul he's got a ticket waiting for him at the Super. I don't know if he took him up on that or not, but I thought that was a great tweet. Tim Duncan was a, a, a deke too, wasn't he? Yeah, did you absolutely. Say that? Did you just say that? I, I, sorry, I heard it. I I, yeah, it speaking Paul. of alums, I heard a funny story today. I was, I was listening to a guy on, on uh, ESPN College on SiriusXM, and he was saying that he was at the Stanford Super last night, and he was hanging out with Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck was going wild when they won. He was at the... Uh, at the super game last night when Stanford won it. So I, that, that, I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Who do you call it? Was, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Um, who's the GM of the, the Niners there. In Come on, Keith, John Lynch, John Lynch. I didn't know he was, I didn't know he played baseball at Stanford too. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was unaware was, uh, of that. I, and yeah, he, they showed him out like game one or something. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. They get a, they get a pretty, long and distinguished alumni list from an athletic perspective there. But uh yeah, John Lynch, obviously he's the best GM in the NFL. I think that goes without saying. He's got three thousand <laughs> miles away. I'm not argue with that, but that's all right. <laughs> just locked up, just locked up a future Hall of Famer, maybe the best ever do it. Uh we might have to we might have to do a random podcast about the NFL football season when uh, I couldn't I I stay all the time if, if the Jets made the Super Bowl it'd be the worst day of my life because I'd be miserable until six thirty all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so maybe the final we'll that. I'm, I'm down. We'll do like a preview. Maybe we'll do an NFL preview. We'll see everybody back with an NFL preview here. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. All right, final picks. Coach Grasse, you got the Gators. Me and Coach Glasser are riding with the Deacons. I think no matter who ends up lifting the trophy, uh, this is going to be a, a fun couple weeks of baseball. And be sure to tune in. Plenty of talent, plenty of good storylines. One of the better events. One of the things I'll say, too, just right, like, right, like if, if you want to play college baseball, if you even think you want to play college baseball, lock in for a game, lock in for half a game, lock in for two straight weeks, whatever you want to do. I mean, obviously you guys can hear the three of us, the passion that we talk about. 
the amount of time we spend watching it. But, you know, there's no better time than right now in the next two weeks to to lock in and, you know, check out some really, really, really cool college baseball and see how good and how healthy the sport is, but also see, you know, how good these players are, how physical they are. You know, it's, this is the best of the best. And, you know, again, this is, in my opinion, the best two weeks and, you know, in, in baseball, no matter what, I mean, obviously I love the world series and the NLCS and ALCS, but for me, man, this is, this is so awesome. And I think if you really want to play college baseball and, you know, no matter what level it is, there's nothing better than these, you know, these next two weeks. So lock in and buckle up because it's about to be a lot of fun. And there's a lot, you know, there's going to be a, a bunch of really, really, really good games. Could not agree more. Coach Glass, any closing remarks? Um, just the we would be remiss to to mention that the Division Two and Division Three national champions have been played. Um, Angelo State knocked down Division Two in the uh, the Fighting Lynchburgs. Um, took down Johns Hopkins in a winner take all for Division Three, which um, you know two really really good teams um, who went at it and took it to the uh, the uh, the the winner take all game and Lynchburg came out on top, which was uh, you know awesome for them. I know one of our really good friends coached there for uh, two different stints, Eric. He was on here and talked about it. I know he was super happy for that staff to to knock down the national championship. So, you know, there's only one left to to give out, um, you know, so lock in and see it. Yeah, big shout out to the Hornets down in Lynchburg. I know uh, Coach Martin up at Bates, who's a Lynchburg legend, was a happy man after that one. So, um, well, thanks, everybody, for coming and listening. Jonathan, as always, thank you. You're the man. Thank you guys for having me on. We will certainly do this again. Um, maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do like a a, a midpoint World Series uh, touch up, you know, before we before we close out the college baseball season. But uh, for those of you listening, you can find us on the interwebs emdbaseball.com, um, on Twitter and Instagram emd at emd baseball. Be sure to check out Jonathan Elite Elite National. Um, you find him on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a good night.